hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought out by the Spirit of the Lord and sat me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy this, these bones, I think I... Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and you will cause flesh to come upon you, and it will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. The word of our God, and for which we give thanks. Let us pray. Holy God, giver of this spirit that unites us all. May the words that I speak be spirit indeed. And may the thoughts and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Alleluia. Amen. Can these bones live? Ezekiel is driven out by the Spirit of the Lord into a place both desolate and crowded. A place of death, of lifelessness, and the question comes upon him whether life can come back into that which has been lifeless for so long. It is a harsh image. One that seems to come out of some sort of dystopian nightmare out of an Octavia Butler novel or one of those post-apocalyptic movies that removes us from our own reality. We expect a scene like this to be followed up by Will Smith and an alien or Harrison Ford and a replicant or some other follow-up from the depths of our least real imaginings. Because these scenes out there in the books of the prophets, out there in the Gospels, full of desolation and mortality, seem as though they couldn't possibly exist among us, here and now, as we walk through a world that seems vibrant and we do not need the spirit to ask whether bones can live. At least it has seemed that way. In many ways, this last year cracked the illusion, this idea that we have maintained at tremendous cost, even as those who specialize in economics and labor have written about the death that walks within flesh very much like our own. 
In the past year, we have begun to witness the death, the desolation, the lifelessness that walks among us, that talks to us day in and day out. We have glimpsed the death that looks like poverty and wage slavery, applauding from the safety of our own homes those who continued to risk themselves in a pandemic, in work that had already been destroying their bodies, in a system that punishes them for not turning a profit. Barbara Ehrenreich, in the book that she published now 20 years ago, Nickel and Dimed, noted this. There are no secret economies that nourish the poor. On the contrary, there are a host of special costs. If you can't put up the two months rent you need to secure an apartment, you end up paying through the nose for a room by the week. If you have only a room, with a hot plate at best, you can't save by cooking up huge lentil stews that can be frozen for the week ahead. You eat fast food, or hot dogs, or styrofoam cups of soup that can be microwaved in a convenience store. If you have no money for health insurance, you go without routine care or prescription drugs and end up paying the price. What was true 20 years ago is all the more so today, as wages have not kept up with inflation as there is now literally nowhere in the United States where the rent on a one-bedroom apartment is affordable at that state's minimum wage during a 40-hour work week. As protections for workers have been eroded, and as a booming economy has roundly disproven the idea of trickle-down and shown us instead our willingness to let our own comfort rest on the backs of people whom we too often blame for their economic status, and shame for doing anything that might distract them from the poverty that we see as their sole identity, like buying cigarettes, or one nice meal, or some little token that allows a person to feel like they might be more than just dry bones. We live in a culture that implicitly only grants value to those who can show success through labor. We ignore the studies that tell us that giving people housing and a basic income is a more successful strategy for improving outcomes than shame and criminalization. We live in a culture that sells the necessities of life, food, and health care and housing, at a profit that we cloak in a narrative of bootstraps and work ethic, which allows us to justify the social disparities and pretend that the systems in which we live, the systems from which we benefit, are fair when they tell us that we are the worthy ones. And if that isn't death walking among us, in the very bodies that we applauded at this time last year, the bodies that have borne the brunt of the literal death of this pandemic, and the bodies which are, it must be noted, disproportionately not white. If that isn't death walking among us, isn't the desolation of dry bones in this world, then I don't know what is. And so the question remains, can these bones live? It was the question we were asking at this time last year as the cracks in the facade of our culture began to show, as we began to become aware that those who need the most are often those who have the least. Can these bones live? Can we reverse a culture of desolation, the dryness that sucks the life out of our bodies even as we continue to walk through this world? Can these bones live? Ezekiel isn't sure, but he is willing to do what he can. He isn't sure, but he hopes. He trusts that there is a better way, that even in the midst of death, even when it seems impossible, there might yet be life. How much effort 
did that take? We know that Ezekiel prophesied to the bones, but the narrative does not give us the sounds, the voice of the prophet crying out until the valley rings with his words, the groaning and creaking and rattling of bones that arise, of flesh taking form, sinew attaching, joints connecting. How much effort does that take? That Ezekiel needed the encouragement to prophesy and prophesy again. How much effort does it take to speak a truth? For that's all that prophecy is, to speak a holy truth, a sacred truth that would put life where there had only been desolation. To speak a truth that everything around us would seem to contradict. To speak to a valley of dry bones the truth about life, their life, their flesh and its value, their bodies and their belovedness, their breath and their connection to a God who asks of them no labor, no proof of worthiness, a God who asks them merely to hear the prophetic truth that against all odds, against all evidence, against all that they had known, they could have life and have it in abundance. How much effort did it take to prophesy to a valley of dry bones, desolate bones, bones of humanity reduced all the way down to hard, desiccated brokenness? Ezekiel preached and spoke to multitudes, exerted himself for the life of all peoples, called out to the bones which had not believed there was any flesh to be had anywhere, not believed that there was any way other than the ways of death, for there are always those who benefit from the dry brittleness of our humanity. There are always those who profit by decay and death and who will work to keep our bones quiet and unmoving on that valley floor. And there comes a point when we cannot envision another way, when we are convinced that healthcare and education and housing and food are things that we need to earn rather than things that we ought to receive by grace. Ezekiel preached, exerted himself to the point of needing encouragement from the spirit in whom he trusted to the bones who could not conceive of movement, of flesh, of the fullness of life that is possible, even when all that we know are the ways of death. Can these bones live? The Spirit of God drove the disciples out into a wilderness right in the midst of their own city, a place, as so many are, both desolate and crowded, and the question came upon them. Can the bones of those who bore witness to state-sanctioned violence, the bones of those who locked themselves in an upper room or tried to forget the controversial rabbi they had followed, the bones of those who feared their own death so much that they couldn't see into the resurrection that had just happened right in front of their faces until they were chased out into the public square by tongues of fire, can these bones live? The Spirit of God is still blowing still swirling, still whispering, pushing us out into the places right here where we fear to tread, the places both desolate and crowded if we have eyes to see, and the question remains upon us. Can the bones of those who bear witness again and again and again to state-sanctioned violence, the bones of those who have given ourselves to building up the unimaginable wealth of a very few on the backs of the vulnerable whom we applaud until they protest their condition or do not stay firmly in the place we have decided they should occupy, can our bones... The bones that wither as we separate ourselves and choose judgment over compassion, apathy over activism, justification over justice, can our bones, dry and brittle, bear flesh? 
and join together. Put on life such that not only we, but the entire body of Christ, the entire creation of our living God can have life and have it in abundance. Can our bones yet live? Prophesy, mortal. Prophesy, you who see the desiccation among us. Prophesy to the desolation, which is not some dystopian fantasy, but is our neighbor, choosing between unemployment and a job that doesn't cover childcare. That is our friend who cannot leave an abusive situation because her partner carries the health insurance. That is our family member for whom every sick day means a day's wage is lost and a bill that doesn't get paid that month. Prophesy. Speak the truth. Speak until the valley rings. Speak until you feel like you just can't anymore. Speak against those who benefit from our separation. Speak against those who want our isolation. Speak against those who would drive us into this living death. Speak the truth that this is not the world that God intends for any of us. Speak the truth that it is not our work, not our productivity, not our income that makes us valuable. Speak the truth that there is nothing at all that humans need to do in order to be worthy and in order to be loved. Prophesy, O church. Say to the bones that walk our city, there is life beyond what we know. Arise and let bone and flesh live. Let us be joined into bodies that inhabit the resurrection, that live beyond the power of death. Prophesy to the powers of this world. Speak the truth such that all who gather can understand what you say because the words you say are the words of love. Prophesy that we are created to be people who love. That we are created to be people who are joined together. That we are created to be people who speak the truth no matter how much effort it takes until dry bones rattle and the spirit of God breathes in all flesh. For we are created to be a people who live in all of the fullness of this creation and in all of the abundance of God's grace. Prophesy, mortal. Prophesy, O church, for the question is long since upon us. Can these bones, can our bones live? And the Spirit of God calls to us, reminding us that it is now and long since our turn to respond. Thanks be to God. Amen.